grab your Bibles today. We're going to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And I know a little bit more of this service now than what I did last service. When I began the week preparing my sermon, and actually it started last week when I started preparing for a little bit, I'm like, ah, oh, I got to verse number 10, and I'm like, I think I can finish up the chapter, and we'll be fine on time. And then through the week this week after I already did my notes and everything, I get to verse 10, I'm like, am I going to have enough time to get through? But we did it last service, and we got out at 9.38, so we did it. So this service, though, there is no service following. So I can just go as long as I want to, and unless you leave, then we're just done. We'll just keep on going, just keep on going, and that'll be great. We've been, I've been talking about and throwing it out. We still got a few, they say that in the church, when you get 60 to 75% full, the people, you can't, the more people don't keep coming in. They don't fill the building up. That's statistics there. And you look in here in last service, we, our church for the past couple of years, pre-COVID, we were about 200. And then COVID came and COVID did a great thing for our church, grew us from 200 down to about 125. COVID knocked out quite a bit. And so, and then over time, a lot of people came back, but then some didn't. They just, they found another preacher that was better, I guess, or they found a better church, or they just like listening online now. Who knows what the case may be. And so, but we do this thing. We get up to 200, go back to 160. Go to 200, go back to 160, right around that frame. And uh, so we're looking at maybe around Easter, the week after Easter, going to a third morning service so that we have room to grow. If we don't, there's not going to be any room to grow. And so you would get lucky at this service if there was a third one because I would have to be done by a certain time. But then if you came to the later one, then I, that's it for me. Because if I preach three morning services, I'm not preaching an evening service too. That will put me over my limit. Uh, the doctor said three, three to thrive. I can only do three. So no. But um, I know my limits. A few weeks ago we did one of those. I went through the book of Colossians that Sunday night. When I got through three of those in a row, that fourth one, I, didn't ha I don't have much of a brain to begin with. But my brain was gone by the time I got to that fourth message. I don't even know what I said. One of these days, I'm going to go back and listen to it. I think it was online. I want to listen and see what I said because I don't even remember that service. That's how worn out I was by the time that was done. But so you might get lucky or if you decide to come. But then that means the third one will be like at 1130. And then if you like going out to lunch and the way Calvary Chapel, their people take over a lot of the good restaurants at like 12, you're going to have to come to the earlier one so you get out earlier. So. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, and we're going to finish up the chapter this morning. You'll notice in your outline that I gave you there, there are, um, there's kind of a chart there. I put that chart there because I thought it would be helpful to you because it was helpful to me. Some people, it's good to see things. Some people, it doesn't even matter to you, so take it or leave it. That's good and wonderful. But we see a lot through 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Paul kind of talks about and compares the difference between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. Now, we all know the wisdom of God is far superior to the wisdom of this world. And there is no comparison in the two. But this world doesn't get it. And we're going to study out today a little bit more on why this world doesn't get it and things like that. So let's read today 1 Corinthians 2. Look down at verse number 6. And we're going to read through verse 16. And then we'll get some thoughts and be on our way. It says, How be it, we speak wisdom unto them that are perfect. Now, before we go further, there are no perfect people. So that doesn't mean like perfect as in never sinning. That word perfect there means 
mature, complete. How many of you want to be a mature Christian? I think every one of us in this room wants to be a mature Christian. So Paul is saying here, how be it, we speak wisdom unto them that are mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as is written, and this is an awesome verse right here, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can they know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Father, I pray you bless the next few minutes that we have this morning. pray that you guide us and help us. Lord, we need you. We need your guidance. We need your help today. As we look at the message today, Lord, please work in our lives and in our hearts and help us see today some things from your word. And Lord, guide us and help us, I pray. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You'll notice in that chart that you have in your notes, you see the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of God. This world's wisdom, there are a lot of words involved. The wisdom of God involves power and not words alone. Wisdom of this world's men's words. The wisdom of God is the Spirit's words. The wisdom of this world is the spirit of this world. The spirit of God is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of this world is foolishness to God, where the wisdom of God is foolishness to men. Do you see how they go opposite of each other there? And we can go through the list there. The philosophy, and then preaching, ignorance, and then the knowledge of God. What happens, where does the wisdom of this world lead? It leads to condemnation. The wisdom of God leads to glory, the Bible says. So we've kind of seen and some contrast there between the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of God over the past couple weeks. We're going to dive a little bit deeper today into the wisdom of God and see some things. Now, this is what you got to understand. Not everyone is going to get the wisdom of God. You must have the Spirit of God teaching you to get the wisdom of God. You and I, when we enter into this life, you notice there in verse 14, it used the phrase, the natural man. The natural man is referring to the unsaved man or woman before salvation. The natural man cannot understand the things of God, is what the Scriptures teach us here. But the spiritual man can. Now, what is the difference between a spiritual man and a natural man? A natural man is unsaved and does not have the Spirit of God living inside of them. 
When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, remember how the Lord told them, you eat of the fruit, ye shall surely die. Those were God's words. What were, what were the serpent's words? You're not going to die. God just blah, blah, blah. And that day, did they physically die on the spot? No, but they started aging. But spiritually, they died that day. And when we look at it, and as we tie it all together, remember how Jesus was talking to Nicodemus? You must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, I already was born on my mother once. What are you talking about? Well, he's talking about that spirit must be made alive. First, first well, Ephesians, I was going to say, first Ephesians. There's only one Ephesians. But Ephesians says there, and you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So a spiritual man is one that is saved and the Holy Spirit is inside of them. Now you'll notice next week or in the next few weeks, we're going to mention a third type of man, from a natural man to a spiritual man to a carnal man. And so a lot of times in my life, I feel like I fit more in the mold of the carnal man than I do the spiritual man. But being saved, we can be spiritual. But even being saved, we can still be carnal. But being saved, you cannot be a natural man anymore. You have the Spirit of God living inside of you. And that happens at salvation. So when we look at the wisdom from the Spirit and we see what the wisdom of God is, first of all, as we start out in our... And you think about this. Salvation was purchased by Jesus Christ. But it was planned by God. God is the one who planned it. And, then, and you know, people will say the gospel is simple. And it is. The death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is simple, right? But then you can spend a lifetime studying and see how complex it really was. Because before the foundations of the world, God had a plan in place what would take place. And we'll look at that this morning. But as we look at the wisdom of God this morning, I want you to notice, as I mentioned there in verse 6, it says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, those that are mature. In order to, and Paul's saying, I'm going to speak the wisdom of God to you. But you need to be mature in the Lord. Those are going to be the ones that get it a little bit better. And that's each of us in this room, the Lord is still working on each of us. No one has arrived or gotten anywhere where they should in the Christian life. We have not obtained anything. We're still pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, as Paul said. So we're all growing. And we mentioned a few minutes ago, we want to be mature in the Lord. And I believe there's a sincere heart in this group to be mature in the Lord. Well, these are some mature thoughts here this morning as we look here. First thing we see, number one, we see characteristics of God's wisdom. So we kind of understand the wisdom of this world and how it works and things. But let's look at some characteristics of God's wisdom. First of all, letter A, we see that this wisdom comes from God and not men. Look with me at verse number 7. It says, but we speak the wisdom of God in mystery, which the hidden, which even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. This wisdom tells the mature saint things about God's plan that go far deeper than man could ever figure out. This wisdom does not come from man. It comes from God. Hence, it is called the wisdom of God. Does that make sense to you? So this wisdom comes from God, not man. But secondly, this wisdom has been hidden. We see that in verse 7 again. You notice it says there, it says, um, even the hidden wisdom. That word hidden, and we see even there it says, it talks about a mystery, the mystery, even the hidden wisdom. 
The word mystery means a sacred secret, a hidden truth in past ages, but now revealed to the people of God. The mystery of the church, the mystery of the gospel. And you can even look in the Bible, the angels didn't understand the mystery of God. Because this was God's thing, and God had to reveal his mystery. And he did, but this wisdom of God, it comes from God, not man. But this wisdom, it's been hidden. And now today it's been revealed, and we see that through Scripture. Maybe later on we'll go further into it. But what I want you to understand is this wisdom of God, there's some characteristics and things to remember. The fact is it comes from God and not men. This wisdom's been hidden. Think about this letter C. This wisdom was God-ordained. God ordained it. Say, what do you mean by that? Look at the rest of verse number 7. Which God ordained before the world unto our glory. This means that this wisdom of God, that God made a plan, set it in motion, and will see it through and it will succeed. The great plan of redemption was not some hasty thought of the Lord's, was it? Oh man, sin in the garden. Oh boy, I got to come up with a plan now. I will try to work through Israel, but oh, they're not good enough. I'm going to have to do something else. No, God didn't one day just say, oops, I didn't realize I was going to have to do this. The Bible says here, look at what it says there. It says, which God ordained before the world, before he spoke this world into existence, before he put the stars in the sky, the moon in the sky, the sun, before he created man, before all of it. He had a plan in place, and he knew what was going to happen. God ordained it, the Bible says. And you've got to understand something. You say, well, look at how it all worked out. God knew how it was going to work out before it ever happened. It wasn't by, you say, well, just by chance, there was a decree by Caesar that the world was going to be taxed. God knew what was going to happen, and God knew that in Bethlehem is where Jesus was going to be. God knew that Jesus would die on Calvary. God had a plan for it all. The Bible talks about in the book of Revelation, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. This wisdom involves God's ordination. Even the death of Jesus Christ was ordained by God. Did you know that? So, oh no, man planned it. It was the devil and his... No, God ordained it. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 22 and 23, Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. You're like, oh no, it was the Jews that did that. No, it was the high priest. It was Satan. No, it says he was de delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Do you see that right there? You have taken and by wicked hands have slain and crucified. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by the traditions of your fathers, look at what it says there, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily, look at this, was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last days for you. I know there are a lot of people that don't like the words like predestination and election and foreknowledge, but they are Bible words, and they're okay to use because they are found in the Bible. 
And some people get carried away with them. I get that. But don't we all get carried away with certain things? So don't get too carried away, but we got to understand they are there. And God had a plan, and this wisdom of God involves God's ordination, and God had a plan before anything ever happened in this world. Before he ever put Adam and Eve in the garden, he already had a plan. It was already set what was going to happen. That's how awesome God is. That's why this world's wisdom, it evolves and grows over time. God's wisdom is always there, and God has it all planned out and has everything figured out before it ever happens. Thank God for that. We see this wisdom comes from God, not man. We see this wisdom has been hidden. We see this wisdom involves God's ordination. We see, letter D, that this wisdom results in the glory of God's people. Look at verse 7, the end of it there. It says, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Three times, and we could look at in Ephesians chapter number 1, it talks about the glory that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him. And it's shown to us in all that the Lord's done. And someday, we're going to be glorified too because of Him. Do you ever think about that? Romans 8, we love these verses. Romans 8 verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be firstborn among many brethren, that He right here is referring to God, moreover whom He did predestinate. There's that big word again. Them He also called, and whom He called, them He also justified, and whom He justified, them He also glorified. Do we see Jesus, God did all the work in it, didn't he? What did we do? Nothing. He did it all. He's the one who calls. He predestines. He calls. He justifies. He glorifies. It's a work of God. It's his grace and his mercy. And thank God for that. And as we look here this morning, we look at this wisdom. It comes from God, not men. It's been hidden. It involves God's ordination. It results in the glory of God's people. And think about this letter E. This wisdom is hidden from the unsaved world. Look at verse number 8. This is an awesome verse right here. Look what it says. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now you say, who is that right there, the princes of this world? Well, you could have a long theological debate with many people and get lots of different answers. Some say that there in verse 8, when it refers to the princes of this world, it's referring to governments, kingdoms, and things like that, which it could be talking about here. So let's apply it there. So in Jesus' day, when he died on the cross, and we think about Judaism, we think about the high priest, the high priest, if he would have realized what Jesus dying on the cross would have done, he probably wouldn't have done it. He was trying to shut him up. He was trying to silence Jesus. He would have ended it there. He didn't want to revolt against Rome, right? And Pilate was trying to keep everybody happy in between. So let's look at it another way. The princes of this world could also be referring to, and I believe it's referring to all here. Could be governments and those in power, but also could be referring to Satan and the demons of hell. The Bible talks about the prince of the power of the air, talks about the principalities, powers, darkness, all these things. And as we look, just look back at that verse again. But none, none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Think about that for a few minutes here. Now, as we think about Satan, I don't believe Satan understood it. 
If Satan understood it, he wouldn't have wanted him crucified. Right? Satan really thought that. I know Satan knows back in the garden that God said someday the seed of a woman is going to bruise the serpent's head, but he didn't have it figured out. That's why I want you to realize something this morning. There is only one God. There are no angels that compare to God. There are no human beings that compare to God. No one is near on the level of God. And that's why even Satan, Satan thought that day on the cross when Jesus cried out, it is finished, he really thought, he's done. I won. What Satan thought was the greatest defeat was actually the greatest victory that ever took place. You see, from that time, think about the whole time Jesus lived. Wasn't Satan's goal to kill him? Go back to Herod. Herod wanted him dead. And don't you think that Satan was behind all that? I certainly believe Satan was behind all that. Satan wanted him dead. Satan didn't understand it. The princes, no one underst understands the wisdom of God. Because if they would have realized it, they would never have crucified him and killed him on a cross. And Satan didn't understand it because remember they even put all those guards to guards so the disciples didn't take the body away? I don't think Satan even realized how God was going to conquer death. We give credit to Satan like he's so smart. He does, he's not smart. He doesn't hold a candle to God. He's nowhere near God. And he wants to be like God, and he couldn't figure this stuff out. This wisdom is hidden from the unsaved world. This world just doesn't get it. Even today. And this is what's interesting. Satan didn't get it. Princes didn't get it. Demons didn't get it. But God, before he created anybody, already had it all planned out. Think about that one for a minute. I think probably before he even created an angel, before he created anything, he had his plan all worked out. He had it all planned, formulated, and Satan think, I got him. I got Jesus. No, you didn't. Because you don't understand God or the wisdom of God. This wisdom's hidden from the unsaved world because they wouldn't have done what they did to Jesus if they would have realized it. And then what do we see, letter F? We see that this wisdom applies to the believer's life today. There are many times, and I've done it, when I've done memorial services and funeral services and things, I'll use verse number 9. But do you know verse number 9 isn't referring to future things? It's referring to today. Did you know that? Look at verse 9. I'm going to break it down and explain it a little bit better for you here. And uh, it says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. It was an awesome verse, but I want you to see this application isn't talking about how wonderful heaven's going to be someday. It's referring to today, right now. Say, so, well, what do you mean? How does it refer to today? Well, let's look at the very next verse. But God hath revealed them. God hath revealed what? What we just read about in verse number 9. I have not seen, nor have heard, neither have entered in the heart of men the thing which God hath prepared for them that love him. So look at verse 10. But God hath revealed them. What hath God revealed? The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Do you see that right there? So God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now, verse number 9 is actually taken from the Old Testament. It was quoted by Isaiah, and it's a quotation of it. It's not exactly the same. And sometimes, 
it's interesting, and I don't even know if I should say this. Should I say it or not? Lord, guide, guide my thoughts right here. There are some people that are so stuck on their version and things in the Word of God that it has to be the... Ex so why is Isaiah worded differently than it's worded in 1 Corinthians? Go to Isaiah 64. The same thoughts are right there. They're God's words, and God can do what he wants to with his words. So this is... So this is being quoted by Paul from Isaiah 64. Is it worded the same? It's different wording. Is it the same thought there? Yes. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, besides thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. That's what he's quoting. Now, Let's put this in context, okay? Because a lot of times we don't put verses in context, do we? It's where sometimes we take, and even when I preach a message, those, if in all, if we're really looking at it, when I do a memorial service and I use that verse, I hath not seen, and I'm quoting things about heaven, it can apply to that. But the context of that is not that verse. It's referring to things today. So this is written in Isaiah chapter 64. What is this talking about? The immediate context here relates to Israel in captivity, awaiting God's deliverance. The nation had sinned and had been sent to Babylon for chastening, and they would cry out to God, and God would deliver them, right? God had a plan for his people. God had something he was doing. We love to take a verse like this in Jeremiah chapter number um, 29. And we like to apply it to us today, which I think you can't apply it to us today. But this was written to Israel. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Now, this is why I want you to realize. What Jesus, what Paul does in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 is, remember the last one we read there in Isaiah 64? I hath not seen nor ear heard. I'm quoting it from 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Paul is quoting that to believers which means that that thought God had for Israel in Isaiah 64 is also what God has for his children today. So we look at that verse, and it says, and you've got to see Paul applies this principle to the church. What it means is, look back at our text, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, and look there at verse number 9. But as it is written, and see, that's how we know this was quoted someplace else, because Paul saying it was written already. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered in the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. As we look at that, for those who love God, when we look at this phrase, God has everything taken care of. If God knew that Jesus was going to die on a cross someday and had the whole plan foreordained and had everything figured out, he's got everything figured out today too. He's sovereign. God has a plan. So as we look at that verse, and as we think on this thought this morning, I want you to understand something. Our future is secure in Jesus Christ, no matter what goes on in our lives today. Do you realize that? God's plans for his own are so wonderful that our minds can't even comprehend what God wants to do in us and through us and all that he's going to do. Now as we look at this here, you notice the last words of verse number 9. It says, which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now that's an interesting phrase right there, because it's also used in Romans 8, 28, isn't it? And we know that all things work together for good 
to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Them that love God. Isn't that phrase there? How many of you are lovers of God today? And not just, we know what we mean by that. Children of God saved this morning. We realize that. Do you know what that means as we look at, we think about, we know all things work together for good. We see, I have not seen nor ear heard, and neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You know what that tells me right here? For those who love God, every day is a good day. Say, but pastor, not everything that happens today is good. I realize that. And maybe tonight you're going to need a boat to even get out of your house with all the rain they're saying that's coming. I don't know. I don't know what bad things are going to happen today. But for those that love God, every day is a good day. It may not look good. It may not feel good. But when God is working his plan, we can be sure that it is the best and God has it all figured out. Trust him. What a blessing it is. I hath not seen nor ear heard neither have entered in the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. And that's today. I'm not even talking about tomorrow. Thank God for the wisdom of God. But how can we know the wisdom of God? In that ourselves, we cannot. We must have the Spirit of God to understand the wisdom of God, which leads to number two and my last point for today, the working of the Spirit, his ministering and working in our lives as we see as we close out the message here today. We see, first of all, letter A, the Spirit indwells believers. Look at verse number 12 with me. Look at verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. The very moment you or I trusted Jesus Christ. You remember the day you got saved? How many of you remember the day you got saved? I hope you remember the day you got saved. And you might not know the exact, it was March, blah, 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 of what year. You might not have all that figured out, but I like that kid song we used to sing. we go through, it was on a Monday, somebody touched me, and you go through what day of the week you got saved. You know, it must have been the hand of the Lord. And some kids, you know, a lot of people, Sunday was their day. You go through the whole week. But my favorite was the last one. It was on a someday because they couldn't remember what day of the week it was. But there was a someday. I remember it happened. And so you remember, you remember the day you got saved? The moment you got saved, the Spirit of God took up residence inside of your life. He's in you. He is the, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now, I know some of our songs don't theologically match up with that doctrine. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. Jesus doesn't come into your heart. The Spirit of God comes into you. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now, if you want to sing, and I like that song too, I know. And uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of songs you look at the full doctrine. There's a few little things for there. But they had to make words rhyme and figure that stuff all out. Since the Holy Spirit came into my heart. That just doesn't ring, you know. Jesus just goes better than Holy Spirit at that spot. So... Maybe that's why, I, I don't know. But the Spirit indwells believers. When you think about this, the very moment we trusted Christ, His Spirit enters our body and we become His temple. What does the Spirit do in us? He baptizes us, identifies us into the body of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. He seals us until the day of redemption. 
And that's found in Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14. And he remains with us and teaches us and guides us. The Holy Spirit of God is God's gift to us today. You'll notice there in verse 12 it says, Now we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. You know when you get a new job or when you get a job or things change in your benefits package? They give, you, they give you something to look at all your benefits. People study those benefits out. How's my medical insurance? How's my 401K? How's this? Whatever. They get. How many, how's my time off, my vacation, all of that? Do you realize as a Christian you've been given a benefits package? And most Christians don't understand or really know what is all entailed in the benefits package that's been given to us by the Spirit of God living inside of us. Do you notice that in verse number 12? It says, at the end there it says, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God? God's given us his benefits package through the Spirit of God. I would encourage you to get to know the benefits that you've been given from God. We are the Holy Spirit's the spirit of liberty. We are not received the spirit of this world because we've been called out of this world. We belong to the Lord. We don't have the spirit of bondage to fear again, but God hath, given us, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. There's so much the spirit of God has for us, and we have a wealth of resources because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us, and we just don't know how to take advantage of them at times. The Spirit, he ministers to us in four ways. First of all, he indwells believers the moment of salvation. Let her be. The Holy Spirit searches Look at verse 9 and 10. But God hath revealed them unto us. God's revealed what? The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. He's revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. We see here the fact that the Spirit searches. There are things that you and I just do not know, right? I used this last service, and my wife, I wasn't in the last service, and I said if she was in here, I wasn't going to use it, but she left. I don't know where she went. She didn't want to hear the preaching today, so I can use this example right here. Now, before I use this example, just a few thoughts for you this morning. What's said in here is supposed to stay in here, or if you're online, it's supposed to stay online. If you go up to my wife and repeat what I say right here, that's gossiping. And we don't gossip in church, okay? And we don't want any chismosos or chismosas either, okay? Just keep all of that out. And so, it's just like this. Is there a man here that completely understands a woman? No. You're not going to. There's a difference. I remember, and you know, we think about it. Um, I've had two kidney stones. Some people say that kidney stones are similar to giving birth. I wouldn't have a clue. I've never given birth. I know there are some men out there that think they can now, but I don't know where that thought comes from. And they, they, they should, should be, I don't know, that just, I, that's, think about this, if men did give birth, there would be one child in, in families and they'd be done. There'd be no more. That'd be it. I remember we had William and when the time was over, you know, a year and a half later, she's like, I'm ready to have another. I'm like, do you not remember what that was like? And her thoughts, no, I really don't. And then when Alyssa's coming, I remember now. I'm like, yeah, I think, I think God gave you grace to get back to that point. But then she remembered. But 
I don't know what that's like, and I can't comprehend that. Other lays in the room, but eventually you can comprehend that. You understand that, where I can't. And But then, you know, I tease her. Sometimes I teased her about this. I'm like, I know it had to be super hard, and I don't understand it, but you don't know how hard it was for me standing at your side at that time. And all she'd do is just roll her eyes. I mean, I'm like, one minute you want me to hold your hand, one minute you're yelling at me to get away, the next minute you want me close, the next minute you want me to put a rag over, You want, I don't know what to do. You just don't understand. She's like, I would have gladly traded you places. I said, I would not gladly trade you places. I was, fine, I'll take that all day. But we don't understand. Think about this. So the things of men, we might understand those things to some degree, but we cannot understand the things of God because we are not God. That's why the Bible says God is a spirit. Isn't that what it says in John chapter 4? And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, when we enter into this life as a natural man, our spirit's dead. So how can our spirit relate and understand the things of God? It cannot happen. But then the fact is we get saved and our spirit's made alive. But how are we going to understand the things of God? Because we still don't get the things of God. We must have someone teach us and guide us in those things. And that's what the spirit of God does in our lives. Do you understand that this morning? The Holy Spirit searches and he reveals to us the things of God. That's when it says there, you said in verse 10, talks about the Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God and then reveals them to us. In other words, the deep things of God is another description. Think about this, of the things which God has prepared for them that love them, back in verse number 9. It says, God hath revealed them, and then for the Spirit searcheth things, yea, even the deep things of God. Some of those things are well past anything we could ever understand or figure out. But when we look at this and we see these things, the Spirit of God comes into our life. And what he does, think about this. Part of, and I'm trying to think how I want to word this exactly. And I worded it fine last service, I think, or I did, I don't know. But it's a different service, so things are all different by an hour, hour and a half later. You have God living inside of you that are saved. Think to stop there for You have God living inside of you. And God is there to help you understand God. And he's the only one who could help us understand God because he is God. You and I are not God and will never be God. Now, that might be a big thought, right? And it is a big thought right here. But that's literally what it is. God is who he is, and the Spirit of God is there to help us and to reveal. And not only does he search things out, but let us see he teaches us all things. Look at verse 13. It says, Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Jesus, when he left, he promised that he would leave the Comforter, right? In fact, didn't he even say words like, it's better for you that I leave? It's, expedient. It's, it's good for you that I go so that God will send you the Comforter, and he will guide you into all truth. He'll teach you what sort of things I have He'll do these things in your life. Think about this today. The truth of God is found in the Word of God. Right? That's the, this is the truth of God. I know there are people out there that have dreams and meditations and whatever else, but any of the special revelation on their part, it is not the truth of God. God's truth is found in God's written Word right here for us today. And how do we understand God? 
the truth of God through the teaching of the Spirit of God in our lives. That's why the Spirit of God is so important. We need God's Word. We need His truths. And isn't that what happened with Paul? The Spirit taught Paul, and then Paul taught the people. You see how that works there? The truth of God's found in the Word of God. And it's very important, and you've got to understand that we use God's words. John 17, 8 talks about, For I give unto them the words which thou gavest me. That's why it's so important, Christian. There are a lot of people, oh, the Bible's too hard to understand. On your own, it is too hard to understand. Do you realize that? It is. But the Spirit of God, who, who wrote it, technically? The Spirit of God moved, right? We know that the men were the instruments that God used. Peter, Paul, whoever the case may be, when, the, when it was put together. But who moved them? The Spirit of God did. So in all reality, the author of the Word of God for us is the Holy Spirit, correct? And if the Holy Spirit is the author of the book, wouldn't it be wise to let the author of the book teach you what's in the book? Albert back here has written a few books, and I've read a few of them. I haven't read the new one yet. I've got to read the new one. But I am sure I've read through, I've read... The um, I can't even think of the names right now. The cop one I've read twice, and I still don't understand everything in there. I'm going to be reading it probably again at some point. But I'm sure if I were to sit down with Albert and some of those stories that just don't make complete sense to me, it would make pl complete sense because he would explain it to me because he wrote it. He took the time, and he knows what he's doing with his thoughts there. And I'm not Albert, and my thoughts don't quite work like Albert do. Almost, but not quite. But um, we're not the Holy S We're not God. You need the Holy Spirit of God to teach you. When's the last time you read the Word of God and you asked the Holy Spirit to help you learn something when you read His Word? Isn't that what Psalm 119 says? Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Every time I open God's Word, if it's for personal study or if it's for a sermon, that's what I pray. And Holy Spirit, it's your book. Teach me something. Give me something in your Word. And the Holy Spirit, He teaches us. And that, it's such a blessing that the Holy Spirit will do that. And he teaches us. How does he teach us? By comparing, look what it says there. By comparing spiritual things which, with spiritual things. What does the Holy Spirit do? He reminds us of things that we've been taught. Relates that to something that's happening in our lives today. And we take the old message of the Word of God and it has new application in our lives. There's a great verse that gives a great explanation of it. If you go with me to Matthew chapter number 13, just look there real quick. It's not up on the screens, and I don't know why it didn't get up on the screens, but Matthew 13, and look at verse 52. This is, I think this verse describes exactly what the Spirit of God does to us with the Word of God very clearly. Matthew chapter number 13, and look at verse number 52. It says, then saith he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. I would say to you this morning that the Holy Spirit is like that householder. What does he do? He brings forth out of his treasure things new and old. The new comes out of the old. Because think about it, the Bible's written a long time ago. 
How could the Bible be relevant to 2024? I almost said 2023. That's 2024. By the time I get comfortable saying 2024, it's going to be 2025. That's what's going to happen. Because we're already into February already. Can you believe that? But what happens is the Lord, the Holy Spirit of God, shows us, gives us something, reminds us of something that maybe helped us before or something that we read, an old truth in the Word of God that applies to a new way in our life today. I thought that verse there in Matthew is a great way of looking at it. God gives us new insights into old truths as we compare one part of the Scriptures with you ever You ever be studying something? Or it happens to me every once in a while when I'm listening to them. I listen to preaching a lot. And uh, I think it's good to listen to preaching. I think you do, yeah, I think you do, there's a lot better. I like listening to preaching much, and not my own preaching. I listen to other people's preaching. Uh, once in a while, I will turn mine on just to critique myself for a message. And I sound really like this. That's the way it sounds to be when I, but anyways, I don't know how that all works. But in my, in my head, my voice sounds perfect. Online and a recording, my voice sounds terrible. So I don't know. Do you hear what I hear in my head? Or do you hear what I hear? And I don't know, because how are you supposed to know? And just so you know, it's the same for all of you as well. So we'll let you get up here and we'll record you sometime and we'll let you hear what it sounds like and see if it sounds like what's going on in your head and things like that. I don't know where I was going. Oh, listening to preaching. That's where I was going with that. I knew there was there was a point. I was going somewhere. You guys think I, lo I, I, I haven't lost it all, some of it, but I'm still here. But there'll be times the other night I went to, uh, I went to a preaching meeting on Monday night and the, the guy preached on Hushai. Now, Hushai isn't mentioned a ton in the Bible, only mentioned twice. And I thought, I did chapel here for Christian school kids, and I said I'd give $10 to anyone who knew who Hushai was. I thought I got them all. There was one kid that knew who Hushai was. I was shocked. But anyways, anybody in the room, well, those who were at that service would know who Hushai was. But anyways, as he was preaching, he was quoting some scripture. And as he quoted this portion of scripture, Something came to me that the I, I believe it was of the Lord. Another passage of scripture that coincided exactly with what was said right there. It's just like as I was thinking on the message here, the end of verse number nine, for those that love him. And then what when my mind Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work for those that love to them that love God. There's a connection there. And I believe it's the Spirit of God that helps us with those connections and teaches us the truths of God's Word, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. And you notice he compares spiritual with spiritual. He doesn't take the filth of this world to teach you something. He compares spiritual with spiritual. The Holy Spirit wanted me to go to that bar. Yeah, right. Anyways, we'll leave that out. We're done. All right, last one. Letter D, and we'll be finished here. The Spirit matures the believer. So we look at the Spirit and His working in our lives we see the fact that he indwells believers, searches believers, he teaches, and then he matures the believer. Look at verse 14 through 16. We're finishing up right here. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can they know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You see the contrast here is between the saved man, the spiritual man, and the unsaved, the natural man. And you'll notice the very next verse talks about the carnal man in chapter 3, but we'll save that for next week. 
At one time, every Christian was a natural man. Do you realize that? When we trusted Christ, when we came to him for salvation, the Spirit came in and we became spiritual because of that. Able to live in the realm of the Spirit is what that means. Then we had to grow. The natural man will not understand and cannot receive the things of God and doesn't believe them because they don't understand them. Whereas a Christian grows in the Lord through their faith and through the Spirit of God, he grows and matures them. And you'll notice it says at the very end there that we have the mind of Christ. Let's make sure we understand what that means, okay? That doesn't mean that you're infallible or that you can start playing God in the lives of other people. I have the mind of God. I can give you... No, 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 that's not what I was talking about. What it... You got to understand, well, how does this world walk? They walk by sight, right? We walk by faith and not by sight. They're spiritually blind. To have the mind of Christ, I want you to understand something. We don't have his mind or his thoughts. But let me just give you what this means here in just a second. No one can instruct God or tell God what. Remember, even Job, God's like, who, where were you when I did this? Who, who do you think you are? The Bible talks about it, and this is actually quoted in other places as well. In, um, I didn't turn my notes there at the very end there. Isaiah 40, verse 13 says, Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or being his counselor hath taught him. You're not going to teach God anything. And then the Bible tells us in Romans 11, verse 33 through 35, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. Like, but pastor, it says right there, we have the mind of Christ. I know what it says right there. Literally, to have the mind of Christ means to look at life through the Savior's viewpoint. Remember in Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It doesn't mean you think just like God it means you've been given in his word the way he thinks and you can view life what is wisdom wisdom and when we end we could go we go through a whole sermon and go through a series in proverbs the wise the simple and the fool everyone enters into life simple that's why children need parents to teach them things. I know kids think they don't need anyone to teach them anything, but we come into this world simple. We don't know things. And so wisdom is being able to look at a situation, look at a situation, and know what to do. Really, it's looking ahead. Because you've been taught and you've been given the things that you need, and what do you do with it? A fool doesn't look ahead at anything. And a fool just does his own thing and messes himself up. A wise person hears counsel, gets these things, and then can look at a situation and know what to do. 
my one big detention in school. I used to do, as a kid, we did ACE paces. Anybody do those paces, those Christian school paces? It's as close to purgatory as anyone can get, okay? It doesn't, it's, they were awful. I, they were awful. And the way that worked, you were kind of self-taught in the Christian school with them. And the teachers were, I mean, um, the curriculum was set up in a way that you would do five pages each in each subject, and then you would um, grade it yourself. You had the answer key. And they trusted you. And it was, a, it was a thing that you earned their trust by doing what was right with it. Well, we'll just say there was this language pace that was all punctuation. And when it got to the test, I got a 35% on the test. But when they looked through the whole pace, there was nothing wrong in the pace. The pace was perfect. So how could you get everything right and do so bad on the test? So you know what they decided to do? They decided to take my pace and take the answer key and see if they matched up. And instead of marking them wrong, I just circled the page and went on to the next page and kept going. So I cheated and I lied about it. So we would, for, they would find Bible verses to help us out when it came to um, whatever our thing was. And while all the kids went out to recess, we would stay in and write Bible verses. Wouldn't you know, the day I got, the one detention I got in all school, it was a rainy day. And everyone's in there having fun at their desk, uh, in the room, and I'm at my desk writing Bible verses. But I'll never forget that verse. The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. And so a prudent, a wise person can look ahead at something and make a wise decision. So you've been given all these tools from God. You can have the wisdom of God on things. Because the Spirit of God gives it to us. But you also don't have to listen to it. You can let your flesh run things. If you're not God, you will never be God. But the Holy Spirit gets us as close as we're ever going to be and gives us all that we need for life and gives us all these benefits that we don't even realize that we have. The wisdom of God is far different than the wisdom of this world. But the wisdom, is God, uh, the wisdom of God is something that you can have because of the Spirit of God. Thank 